Welcome back to the 12-Sided Guys. We've got Matt playing Pine. Hi. Scott playing Joff. That's me. Jordan playing Ebby. Salutations. Sabrina playing Nari. Hey there. Paul playing all the bad guys. Yes, sir. And Alexa playing Christmas music nonstop 24-7. <laughs> Just a few more weeks. But enough about my trauma. If you like what we're doing, there are a couple of things you can do. Consider becoming a patron at patreon.com slash 12sidedguys. You could also rate and review us. But the easiest and most helpful thing you can do to help us out is just tell your friends and family about this great podcast you've been listening to. And after you tell them about that podcast, then tell them about ours. <laughs> That's like such a sick self-burn. <laughs> oh, even if they don't play D&D, I know quite a few listeners that don't play or don't even want to try playing, but they love the story so far. So spread the word. And just a quick shout out to our international listeners, especially you listeners in Denmark. I speak for all of the 12-sided guys when I say, Havor air toiletet. <laughs> I think I that. What? I'm pretty sure you did. Anyway, if every time you replace your loofah, you start prepping yourself to battle some Sinistrals, then this podcast is for you. It's the Crystal Codex, episode 43. O dearest Moshe, source of life and provider of vitality, great one that invigorates all and fights against the chasm of endless entropy and destruction, I beseech thee for assistance and help, and perhaps most importantly, guidance. Much has happened and it feels that much hangs in the balance. We've made our way to the summer home of the Stormfists to find that they have holed themselves up in their village and have been behaving somewhat strangely lately. Something is stirring in these mountains and it seems to be centered around a cave to the north end of town. Whatever it is that is happening, it sure seems to pull the threads of destiny towards it. The enigmatic conjurer we've known as Magister Colbury has been sneaking about with a desire to get into the cave. And Maeve, the town seeress, who engraves her prophecies into the skin of a man named Garum, had received a prophecy about broken bands and glory within the cave. Maeve, thinking that this was referring to Nari's brother Tizar, sent the poor child into the cave to face who knows what. May your life force thrum in his veins and enliven his steps, and help us come to his aid quickly, before it's too late. And finally, great Moshe, I need your guidance on another matter. We found another Ormek, and Pine and I were able to awaken her using a bit of crystal tech. She's still in shock, but she told us that her name is Hermine, and I hope that we can speak further and learn more about what is happening up here in these mountains. There is a pulse here, a heartbeat almost, like an artery of Pavantis which is dangerously exposed, vulnerable. Strengthen me with the wisdom to know how to truly be your avatar, Lord Moshe. I'm still not completely convinced that Ermine is not a bomb that we created. <laughs> <laughs> Plot twist. Oh, man. <laughs> Nari and the boys, you are in the Hall of Foretelling, this... Um, this long house where Maeve makes her her home and where she performs her divinations. You have just finished talking with her and come to the realization that 
you guys need to go down into the cave that the the prophecy that was tattooed onto her living canvas garum is actually speaking of you. You guys also saw a few other tattoos on Garum's body uh, that we talked about a little bit about last time. Um, but here you are. It is nighttime um, after dinner, and um, you've just kind of come to this conclusion. Uh, Maeve actually seems very um, distraught about her her misreading of the tattoos and is in the process of standing up to hustle out of the hall. I mean, I don't. I don't want to say this out loud, but it is, she should kind of be distraught. Like she, she really messed up. So <laughs> a lot of people regret a tattoo or two on their body. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> Not me though. I'm still enjoying mine. <laughs> Maeve is actually grabbing for Garum, uh, her living uh, canvas to help escort her out as she turns to you and she says, mistakes were made and they must be fixed. I shall return. And then she leaves her home, leaving the four of you with Hermine and Yastin. I wonder what she's going to do to try to repair things. It sounds like Nari, your brother, may be in grave danger if he's somewhere where he's not foretold to be. I I have a feeling that I know exactly how they're going to repair things, and I think it's going to involve me. And, and hopefully you guys, if you're down for it, Always. How likely is your brother to survive down there? To be honest, I, I have no idea. Um, when I left, Tazar was a young child. Um, you know, he was just starting to learn to swing the sword in any sort of fighting capacity. Uh, I have no idea what kind of person he's become. Nari, at this point, you assume Tazar, I mean, doing the math, Tazar would be right about like 16. Right, so he's kind of gone through all his formative training, but I haven't really been around for it, so I, I don't really know what to expect. Did he go down alone, or was he accompanied by anyone? I know his his older brother didn't go with him, but if if he didn't go alone, then there's a good chance they'll let us accompany you as well, Nari, but if he's down there alone, it may take some persuading to get us in there with you. That's a good question. And and one other thing that that might make a difference is that the tattoo. I mean, now that now that Maeve has seen you and met you, the tattoo clearly depicts the the other three of your party. Yeah, she really got this whole thing wrong. We really got to do a refund <laughs> here, y'all. Do you suppose she'll let Yostin come with us? They seem very leery of of tall hearts. No offense, Yostin. I'm quite fond of you. I think it's a bit presumptuous to think that Yostin would want to uh, join us and, and I'll kind of gesture to Yostin. He, uh, he looks um, more at ease now than he has been since you guys arrived here. But he says, I don't know which I fear more, the, the cave that everyone seems to say is dangerous or staying here in Summerhome surrounded by people who would sooner spit on me than, than help me. No one would hurt you here. I, I give you my word. We would make sure you would stay safe. You've done done us a great service. Um, and I don't want you to feel like you have to risk your skin for us. We can't take Hermine with us into the caves. So we'll need someone to stay with her up here. Yeah, Her Hermine is over in the corner. As you recall, last time 
her body was not nearly as preserved as Ebby's was when Ebby woke up. Um, and actually part of her arm is missing. And she, you can tell that even though you've cast some healing on her to kind of stabilize her, uh, she's still in shock. She's still, you can see every once in a while, she'll like look down at her, at her stub of an arm. Uh, it's like ends right at the elbow, um, of her left arm. And she just kind of moves it around looking at it and is perplexed and, um, and, and just in shock. You can tell that, that she's not in a, uh, in a, a clear mind currently. Yeah, Ebby is going to kind of turn to Yastin and say, you know, I would love to stay and help Hermine, but the situation with Tizar is such that uh, my, the needs are probably greatest within the cave, but I would be extremely grateful to you, Yastin, if you were able to keep an eye on her and at least be a, a friendly face for her as she starts to hopefully regain some of her composure. He, he nods. He says, yes, I, I can do that. I, I would be honored to do that. And he goes and he actually kind of sits over, uh, by Hermine and, um, just, just sits there. He doesn't, doesn't talk to her or anything, but just kind of, is there a presence next to her? She kind of, um, shakes her head a little bit, looks over at him and, um, Deacon's Ormex can't really smile because they, their faces don't work that way. Um, but, um, you can kind of sense a relaxing in her um, at Yastin's presence. Nari will kind of lean in towards Joff and say, good, good call. Make him think that he's doing something super useful. I, I forgot how to deal with men. My apologies. (laughs) (laughs) If I could wink right now, I would be winking at you, Nari. (laughs) Wink, wink. Just one of, one of the lights in your eyes just completely goes out. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> like a blinker yeah pine will actually say to yastin i know you said that um you're not sure if you're more afraid of the cave or more afraid of staying here in summer home alone what about the journey back to woodbridge i know that's a long trip but um i'll tell you what if you don't feel safe here if you need to make an escape you take Armin and you take crumbles and you you go back to woodbridge and we meet up with you there if you're not here when we come out he thinks about it for a second. He says, yeah, that's, I think that that would be the worst option, but, but still an option. Uh, six days with good travel back to Woodbridge through unprotected Stormfist land. I, I think I'd rather take my chances here. I totally understand, but if it comes to it, just remember who the MVP of the fight with the earth sign was. <laughs> He nods his head, yes, yes. Well, and he has an, an Alaton as well. So um, Alatons can move relatively quickly um, through all manner of climates and uh, topography. So they could make good time if that was something that they needed to do. He, he takes it under advisement. I mean, I wouldn't want to go just two of us, one combatant and one injured woman alone in the wilderness for six days with giant bear men, but... You know, you do what you feel you need to do. I will. I will. I will hold up here um, for the time being with Hermine and I'll see what transpires. Just as uh, you're finishing this part of the conversation, um, the uh, the door opens and the flap of fur in front of the door uh, pulls aside and um, it's Garum holding the flap open as Savar, this uh, late middle-aged, strong imposing woman who is the leader of the Stormfist clan comes marching in 
followed by Maeve uh, a little bit behind, and then Garam brings up the rear. Savar comes stomping in, and she says, So I hear mistakes were made, and now we need to clean them up. Nari will kind of really respectfully nod and say, uh, it, it seems so. She looks at the four of you. She says, This needs to be remedied as soon as possible. Are you ready to go into the cave? I I mean, I suppose we're, we're as ready as we could ever be. She comes to stand in front of you, Nari, and she says, I'm sorry your brother is down there. I thought he was the hero that was foretold, but it turns out he's not. The chances of him surviving down there are slim. But I hope that you can get him out. Me too. If he's anything like his sister, then I'm sure he's got a fighting chance. Well, he's not in there alone. He did take a few companions. So, hopefully that will help him survive down there. Who did he take? He actually, he took your older brother's hunting crew. Where where is my older brother again? Didn't they just kind of give me some dodgy answers? I think that they told you that he's over at the hunting grounds. Right, but they were dodgy about it, right? Yes, but okay. now that you're a storm, so now that you're a stormfist, they actually they cleared that up and they told you, yeah. Okay, cool. So, um, yes, your brother, his crew, his hunting crew, they accompanied Tazar into the cave. Your older brother Tikris was not very happy about that. He went off to the hunting grounds to the east by himself, um, angry and I think a little bit. Embarrassed, embarrassed that his younger brother was the uh, the better of the two. I I know Tikris well. I I might not have grown up with Tazar, but I I know Tikris. Yeah, in fact, one of your earliest memories, and not earliest memories, but one of the memories that came back to you when you were dying was of you guys on a boar hunt, and he tripped you with his spear um, as a joke on your first boar hunt. Um, I don't know if you remember that because you were dying. <laughs> but I have vague, that, Dari has vague flashbacks of it. <laughs> I have vague flashbacks of something else. Beep and beep, 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 net 20. Savar <laughs> <laughs> uh, says, come to my tower. I'll give you some supplies before you venture down into the cave. I'll make sure that they let you in. And she looks at you guys and she says, the four of you. And then she looks over at Yastin and she says, no tall heart. Yastin will be staying with our, our friend here. Um, I, ho- I I trust that you will give them all the grace and protection that they deserve as our friends. She nods her head and she says, as long as this one, motioning to Hermine, doesn't try anything like the others in the cave, then she'll be safe here. And then Savar turns and walks out. Well, let's go get outfitted for this cave, I guess. All right, you guys leave the Hall of Foretelling, this house that is Maeve's. Um, You walk along one of these paths that is, actually, as you're leaving the Hall of Foretelling, as each of you leave, Maeve puts her hand on each of your shoulders and she apologizes. She says, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. And then, Nara, you're the last to leave. And she squeezes your arm really tight and she says, if anything happens to your brother, I'm so sorry. And then she lets you go. 
I'll, I'll kind of pat her on the shoulder and say it's okay, yeah. Everybody makes mistakes. Everybody has those days. As you leave the Hall of Foretelling and you walk along these paths that have been cleared with um, either uh, magic or just a lot of labor with some with some snow shovels because there's snow piled up all over, um, you follow the path down back to one of these wooden bridges that cross these streams. As you recall, Summer Home is uh, it's a little village that's split into three sections, basically two sections on the south and then the biggest section is to the north, which is where the leader's tower is. It's also where the cave is. It's where Nari's parents live. You go across one of these bridges and you can see the tower um, as you, uh, I'm guessing you go over to the leader's tower to get outfitted. Yeah. Okay. As you walk up to the tower, um, there is the door that you went in before where you were feasting. You push open the door, pull aside the flap of fur, and there in front of you, you see Savar is sitting in her chair as uh, three or four other um, other Stormfists are um getting bags full of food and supplies like um you know dried meat and some um some uh bottles of alcohol that kind of thing and they're putting them together for each of you so you each have like this this backpack of sorts to wear uh to take with you uh, of supplies and savar says there you go that's the best we can do for you we will pray for your safe return and the safe return of your younger brother nari we appreciate it. Um, we'll leave as soon as we can. Like I said, we're we're well rested, so we might as well head out and go as soon as possible. Do you have any maps of, of the cave that's been explored so far? She shakes her head. She says, no, the cave is natural uh, for for a, uh, a slight bit. And then then you descend ladders and um, walkways. Uh, for a long time into this this deep chasm before you actually get down to um, some kind of ancient buried fortress. As far as the fortress, not much has actually been discovered or explored. It is quite dangerous. But we shouldn't, we won't have any trouble getting to that point. No, it's a straight shot into the fortress. Once you're in the fortress, who's to say? Any other advice, any experience you can share would be most useful. Um, she takes, she stands up off of her seat, walks over towards you and Pine, she looks you right in the eye and she says, I know you think that that metal woman that you brought back to life is good. Don't trust anything down there that's made of metal. I'll keep an eye on this one and I'll motion back to Ebby. <laughs> oh, yeah, because Ebby actually did disrobe there in the in the hall, didn't yep. he? Oh yeah, everybody knows he's metal. That's right. Yeah, so she she's eyeing you askance as well, Ebby. We've met people that have made her flesh that are far worse character than the metal ones we've met. With your warning, madam, can I ask what it is exactly that you have seen in the cave? More of my kind in particular, or something different? She she uh, she looks at you, and then she addresses the rest of the group. Um, She's not. You can make an insight check if you want to, Abby. Oh, I know she's racist. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Let's go ahead and make an insight check. Uh, Abby rolled a fourteen. Um. So with a fourteen, she she. You can just tell that she's she doesn't trust you at all. Um. It's fine. Whatever. I don't trust her. So I don't need. I don't need her trust. 
Um, yeah, uh, so Abby, you get the impression she does not trust you, not because of you, but just because of her interactions with anything um, remotely like you. And she addresses the other, um, the other three of you and says, um, not like this one. And she kind of points over at Abby and she says, uh, different, smaller, less, uh, less human, but still just be wary. And then uh, she motions for you to take the bags. And then as you are um, about to leave the, um, the leader's tower, uh, this woman comes in. And it's a woman that none of you have seen yet, um, except for Nari, you would know who she is. Um, you know, her name is Ada. Um, she has long white hair. She is kind of that like 60s sort of... Uh, uh, you know, still strong, still healthy, but age is starting to show on her face and in her hair. Um, and she actually, she's wearing furs like everybody else, but she actually has a necklace around her, her neck that's made of like, um, uh, like tree boughs, um, uh, kind of woven together. And on her head, she has these, um, like almost like a, like a laurel crown, but it's like a wreath made out of, uh, of more tree boughs. And she comes in, you would know Nari, Ada is kind of the, the herbalist, the healer of the, um, of the community. And, uh, she comes in and she says, Oh, Oh, I'm glad that I caught you before you went down here. And then Nari, she comes up to you and she, she's holding something in her hands and she hands it to you. And in her hands, she has this single red feather. Oh, Ada, thank you. <laughs> she says, take this, this will, this is all I have to help you with. Tazar took everything else with him into the cave that I had prepared. But this, this will save a life if needed. And she hands you a feather of a phoenix. <laughs> you have to aim the phoenix down to make sure it works. It's like it's like a down comforter made of phoenix feathers. Oh, I get it. Wah, wah. Okay. Yeah, basically in game, <laughs> in, in game I'm like I'm I'm like I'm No, so in game terms this acts like um basically it is a free revivify spell that works one time. Ooh. You have Ooh. 10 rounds or 1 minute to use it if somebody actually dies. And to use it, you have to tickle them all over. You just have to take a step forward and then throw your arms up in the air and then feathers will fall all over the, uh, the dead body. So tickle the death right out of them. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that they were they weren't dead. They were just swooned. They were swooned. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> all right. And then uh, Savar stands back up and she says, Nari. May Lady Belrog guide your steps, and may Lord Fortuga keep you strong. Thank you. I, I appreciate it. Okay. And then you leave the leader's tower. Is there anything anybody wants to do before you head up to the cave at the north end of town? Should we send word to your older brother? I I don't see why. It's It's none of my business if the town finds it necessary to to send him word I'm, I'm sure they will okay if he wasn't here for Tazar I don't know why he would be here for me family can be complicated <laughs> yes I'm, so I've heard Josh <laughs> <laughs> who was it oh, I guess it was me in the earlier episode I said families 
weird. <laughs> like that <Yeah>. was it. <laughs> I think that was Yastin who said it too, wasn't no, it? It was no, it was uh, Thylo. I was Thylo. Yes, it was Thylo. Yeah. Okay. Mortimer. I don't remember a Bortimus. You guys have been talking about him all the time, all the way up on your trip up here to the mountains, and the name keeps changing, and Pine thinks that you're talking about like eight different people. (laughs) (laughs) I don't remember that. Um, All right. um, Very good. You are um, outside of the Leader's Tower. The cave is kind of up a natural uh, kind of ramp walkway that goes up to the very northern edge of this valley. And there at the top, you can see the cave entrance. You can see the wooden partition that has kept it closed. And you see the two, uh, the two people standing outside watching, uh, keeping guard. What do you think? Do you think this would be similar to the, the facility we found under the Shrine to Lord Moshe? I honestly don't know what to expect. Perhaps they said it was more of a natural cavern, it sounded like. So perhaps deeper in, it might be more of like an actual facility. It sounded, yeah, slightly less technical. Well, they said it was it was natural and to a point, and then there were like causeways and things, right? Am I putting words in your mouth, or am I just speaking my imagination? Yeah. Well, I think that I just was not very descriptive. So Savar basically explained that it is a cave that goes uh, into the mountains, and then there is kind of this natural chasm, and there are ladders and causeways down this chasm. That then eventually you get down low enough till you get to the what she called the the fortress. I think is what she called it. Oh. Okay, so the fortress might be... Yes, let's go check it out. Let's go see what we can find. Yeah, what can happen? <laughs> you know, All right. why not? Yeah, so as you guys go up this um, this ramp um, towards this cave, I need... Um, Joff, why don't you make a perception check uh, with disadvantage? Okay. Uh, I got an 11 on perception. Okay. Okay. Um, as you... Uh, Start walking up towards this cave. You approach the cave. There are two guards that are standing there. Um, one is a tall, red-haired woman, um, tattoos on her face, holding a big great axe. The other one is a is an older man with a like a kind of a salt and pepper gray beard, um, who is also holding a great axe. Great axes seem to be kind of the weapon of choice for the Stormfist clan. Um, as you approach this gate, they don't say a word. They just pull the gate open and allow you in. Joff will stop on the threshold and turn and glance back at the town and say, I guess this is my last chance to look at this small village before I leave and kind of pause for as long as I can before it becomes awkward to allow our friend to come in. Okay. Everybody else can make perception checks with disadvantage as well. All right, Nari got an 11. Abby rolled a 21 with disadvantage. Wow. I only got an 8. All right. Um, As you are standing there, Joff, everybody else is kind of moving into the cave, and Abby, you are fairly certain that you hear just the softest little crunch of snow next to Joff, but Joff didn't move. And then the sound disappears as, um, as you guys are in the cave and there's no snow on the ground inside the cave. Interesting. I, well, never mind. Could have been anything. All right. 
as you all enter the cave, I'm guessing, guessing that then Joff, after his um, awkward time standing there gazing back at this <laughs> small little hamlet, uh, as he turns into the cave... The 45 the, minutes you spent here really made an impact, huh? <laughs> yes. Yes, they really did. <laughs> uh, they start to close the gate, and as they close the gate, then the, uh, the woman who's standing there with the red hair and the face tattoos, she calls out, May Lord Fortuga guide your steps, Nari. And then the gate closes behind you. And you are left in darkness. This feels more like Lady Jaffa's work than anything else. I'll take any god's help, honestly. <laughs> well, I think we might have an invisible friend here in the cave with us. As you guys are standing there talking, um, Abby, you, you, you're fairly certain that you hear a little ways down the, down the cave, uh, down this kind of natural um, tunnel, you are pretty sure you hear a little bit of a scuffing of like a boot hitting some rocks and some rocks go clattering, but it's very quiet, very faint. Huh. Well, I guess let's be on our guard and see what see what lies ahead. I don't think Ebby is quite putting it together that it is explicitly Magister Colbury. And, and even if he did, I don't know that he would say anything out loud at the moment. Right. You guys are still standing right by this wooden gate that is not necessarily soundproof. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Are you well, guys going to catch move? up and see if we can't have words? Yeah, let's let's head a little deeper. What's the lighting situation? No light. So mm. Pine can see, Ebby can see. Joff, do you have low do you have uh, dark vision now? I do now. And okay. uh, I can actually give it to to one person for an hour. Okay. Okay, I I would take that if nobody else needs it. I have like a you know, a light spell, but dark vision's better. Okay, so Joffle Joffle um, call out for Squire and say, Squire, I need you to help Nari be able to see in the dark in here. Do 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 what you can for her. Okay. Um, nobody else can see this, but Joff, you see suddenly standing behind Nari, like up on his tiptoes, you see him kind of, you know how like, um, the only thing I could think of, Matt, do you remember, I don't know if you remember this, the Junior Birdman thing from Cub Scouts or whatever? Do you remember that at all? No, Junior Birdman? <laughs> what? You do like the OK symbol, but then you turn it upside down and you put your fingers over your eyes. Oh, yes, yes. So okay. they, yeah, yeah. So, um, so, so he's, so he's like up on his toe, up on, up like on his tiptoes, reaching up behind Nari and he does that to Nari's eyes. And suddenly Nari, you can see, uh, in the dark. Um, is yeah. he, is he writing like a backpack so he can keep his hands there? No, it just, just for a split second, he puts his hands there and then, and then, um, and then he disappears. I can see clearly now. <laughs> well, as, as someone who's very accustomed to seeing in the dark, I would say that light is still valuable. Mechanically, we see like dim light, so we'll still have disadvantage on perception checks without yes. any light. Um, but at least we can see where we're going. Yes. Well, we'll be a little bit sneakier, though. Yeah, a torch or a lantern is still uh, better than dark vision. Unless you're drow. Wait, are drow cannon? Ebby, are you drow? <laughs> 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 All right, so you guys start heading down this cave. You start walking for um, probably about 100, 150 feet when um, suddenly, um, Joff, you bump into somebody. And when you bump into this person, uh, Magister Colbury drops his, uh, his illusion and he is now visible. And he says, oh, thank you. Thank you so much for getting me in here. I, I've been trying for 
days, days and days to get in here. And now I'm finally here. You can see in his eyes, like almost, I don't want to say like a fever, but just a lot of it, like excitement, like um, adrenaline coursing through Colby's body. You see that he is dressed in um, like um, nice clothes, but you know, with fur trim, he's got a, a thick cape on. You can see he's got a staff in one hand, like a walking stick. And then in his other hand, he's carrying a carpet bag. What do you hope to find down here? Answers. Answers. And maybe, maybe a solution to all of this. What do you hope to find down here? Nari's brother. Is that all? Is that the only reason you're here? And he kind of, he's, you can, he's like almost bouncing from foot to foot with excitement. He's like, you're, no offense, Nari, I, I'm sorry, but this is so much bigger than your brother. This is so much bigger than you. It's so much bigger than me. Uh, not taken, but I, I would love it if you wanted to expand on that statement. All of my research has brought me here. This is a monumental discovery. And now we get to see if my theories are correct. I think, I think it all started here. I think we've kind of pieced that together as well. Well, then what are we waiting for? Let's, let's go. I want to know what your intentions are with this place. When you say fix things, what does fixing things look like to you? He says, well, I'm, I'm sure you felt the earth shake. Correct? Well, I've heard that it's shaking, yes. But personally, my perception checks have been very low. <laughs> <laughs> something is breaking. Something is not working right. Something needs to be fixed to keep, to keep the inevitable at bay. And I hope to be able to do that. And I hope that you'll be able to help me. I think it's more likely you'll be able to help us. Turns out, we're prophesied to be here. Well, if he was in the prophecy, since he's been invisible, he wouldn't have shown up on the canvas. Yes, that's true. <laughs> I mean, you don't know that. <laughs> there was the sneaky dude tattoo, though. <laughs> yeah, so uh, real quick, let's go back over that tattoo that you guys saw. Um, the tattoo that you saw on the back of Garum was a broken circle... There was a round shield that was separated into eight segments that was surrounded by leaves. There was a crown and there was like a crook, like a shepherd's crook. And then um, there, was, there was a figure with that broken circle. Um, then it showed the same figure beneath a mountain with like lines of glory and power that were radiating away from this figure. And then off to the side, there was uh, another figure that was um, like in a crouch sneaking. And these are just like very... Um, very basic, very um, rough silhouettes of people. No details. So the so the silhouette was doing like the cartoon sneak. So we know definitely sneaking. Like <laughs> really high knees, doing... hands out in front, <laughs> on tiptoes. Yep. The, the silhouette was literally had just got done saying, "Hey, what's that?" and then turned the other way. Yes. <laughs> yes. Back arched forward. Yes. So that is, uh, that's the tattoo that you guys saw on Garum's shoulder. Um, so yes, there is a, another figure on the tattoo, but we don't know who that is. Well, I wouldn't like you, Mr. Colbury, to touch anything 
without talking to us first. He says, likewise. I can agree to that. I think that's fair, but uh, we take that very seriously. I, I don't know what to expect in these mountains, but I don't want you mucking this up for us, and I won't take kindly to you messing with this mission. If I can help you rescue your brother, I will do so, but I will not sacrifice the opportunity. I'm sorry, but I can't. You're right. There's more to this cave than, than rescuing Nari's brother, but that is the priority right now. That is the most time-sensitive thing. I, I, I see that you're able to make yourself scarce. I would like you to stay within our sight at all times, unless things get hairy, then obviously protect yourself, but don't sell us out. Likewise, I'm putting a lot of trust in you. Years, years of research, years of study now are coalescing into this moment. I am putting a lot of trust in you. Tell me, did you bring the disc? Is it here? The disc is safe. Make a deception check. Not because you're lying, but because he's going to try to read your body language. Uh, I got a 22 deception. Okay. He rolled a natural five. So he nods and says, maybe best that it's not here yet. If it's safe, then the wrong hands can't get it either. Okay, we'll make do. What will it do? Is there some sort of function it will hold here? We've tried bonking deacons on the head with it all, and it hasn't done anything, and we're out of ideas. <laughs> We've tried literally everything. <laughs> he says, if my research is correct, if what I have hypothesized is correct, then this is the only place where that disc makes any sense. That disc is a key, a key to something, to something important. And until I get down there and look and see what's going on, I don't know if it's a key that needs to lock something or if something needs to be unlocked. So it's probably best that the key's not here anyway. I, I wouldn't want to get over anxious and, and make the wrong choice out of, out of uh, haste. I wouldn't want to make the wrong choice out of haste. Well, look. From my understanding, and I haven't studied for years, I understand. My understanding is most likely it's something that will need to be further locked away. He nods, says that's definitely, definitely a theory, and, and that's the way that I lean as well. Colbury, it's refreshing that it seems you are finally ready to trust someone other than yourself. He shrugs and says, you're all I have. Well, we've come a long way, and we've put a lot of things together on our own. Things that maybe could have been more clear. We could have been more help to each other, had you been more willing to share earlier. I shared what I thought was safe to share. I shared with you the prophecy. The prophecy from the Oracle, the Almerian Oracle. The Mad Oracle. Did you know that prophecy wasn't complete? What? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> He does look at you like, he's like, wait, what, what do you mean it wasn't complete? You heard the first half, yes. The first half talked about a sign. It talked about 
the the situation, the the finding of of an heir to the Everlyn throne, but that wasn't what the prophecy was about. That was simply a sign of things to come. Additional parts of the prophecy talked about others. I talked about talked about Ebby here. Talked about Nari. Even talked about myself. You want me to read it to you? I can read you the second part of the, of the prophecy. Is I got it right here. Okay. Okay. I'll just read the whole thing. Um, a king I see in raiment fine. Upon his flesh the worms now dine. The line of Everlyn is strained. Within one child its blood remains. Atop the trees a shadow lies. The mountain tabor blocks the skies. The air in ignorance who plays. Mongst fallen leaves and shortened days. When mountain's ink begins to break, and Moshe's oar a breath does take, when petal falls but tree grows strong, what once was stopped again moves on. The ancient knowledge is unearthed, a plot of ages long since birthed. What was to be may yet held sway, if the angel has his say. The, the, the rest of the prophecy is simply is, is, is additional signs about what's going to happen with this angel, this, what was stopped being put back in motion. That's what the prophecy was really about. Uh, he stops and he thinks and he says, interesting. And he actually rummages around in his bag, sticks his arm way down in deep, which you know, which is like further than the bag's dimensions. And as he pulls out a, a, a book and, he's, and he quickly pulls out a little quill and he starts to quickly scratch something into the book. And he says, can, can you repeat those lines for me, please? Oh, that is not his burn book again. <laughs> I'm just curious as if he updated any of the information about me in there. He had relatively little before. <laughs> yes, and the, the line about me was was um, specifically a badass old soldier <laughs> who soared like lightning. Wait, are we editing our own Wikipedia page here? Because I have some yes. thoughts. Oh, man. That's funny. All right. Yeah, he finishes scratching that down and he says, Will... I've been up here in the mountains for, for weeks now. I, I would love to pick your brains, but maybe now is not the time as he puts the book away and puts it back into his bag. Shall we move onward? That sounds like a good idea. We can talk as we travel. Apparently, we have a ways to go before we reach the chasm. Yes, we better get moving. Okay. As you guys continue to walk through this cave, you guys are going to be walking for, um, gosh, at least an hour and a half. Um, so if anybody wants to talk about anything before you get to the chasm, now is the time. After that time, Nari won't be able to see in the dark anymore. Well, she has her light spell, so. Okay. Yeah, I can cast that. That's no problem. And actually, you know what? Um, uh, Colby actually has, after he became visible again, he actually has a light glowing on the end of his staff. I'll hang out with him then. I'll keep a close eye on him. And I have a red candle. <laughs> yes, you do. All right. Um, I think that's like Pine's favorite line is uh, I have a red candle. Um, very good. All right. You uh, you travel down this cave. It twists and turns. You can feel it slightly a gray, it slightly grades, uh, uh, what's it, uh, descends down into the earth um, as you are taking these twists and turns a couple times you have to crawl over like fallen rocks. And at one point, um, you guys actually are down in this cave and you feel the earth start to shake. Finally, my perception check worked. I feel it now. <laughs> Wait, why are you rolling dice every time you try and see something? Superstition, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So at this point, it's not actually, um, 
you, you don't need to roll anything to perceive this. What I need you all to do is I need you to all roll a quick dexterity save. Difficulty 13. Plus three. Ooh. Nari rolled a 20. <sighs> Pine rolled a 10. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, Ebby rolled a nine. Joff got a 17. So Ebby and Pine, the earth starts to shake and roll, and uh, it's a very unnerving. And Ebby and Pine, you both fall to the ground, and each of you take eight bludgeoning damage as you hit the ground, and a, a part of the wall of this cave uh, falls in, and you get pelted with uh, with rocks the size of your of your head. So eight damage to Ebby and to Pine. Oof, what the devil was that? Was that just another earthquake? I don't know, it was rocks the size of my head. Good thing it wasn't rocks the size of Nari's head. (laughs) It would have been like 12 damage. (laughs) It seems like the tremors might be getting worse as we're getting down here. We we might have to keep keep an eye out for falling rocks. Colbury nods his head. He actually made it safe. He rolled a natural 14. Um, He says, that that very well be true, but... Also, the tremors have been getting worse, even in just the short time I've been up here. Hmm. Well, Nari, this cave didn't even exist when you were young, right? Seems that, that if the tremors are opening the passage, it would have been a destructive um, destructive act anyway. So if the passage is continuing to be opened up by these tremors, then we're going to encounter a lot of falling debris. Yeah, I think we can definitely expect to, to see some of that. Um... Everybody got their spelunking gear? I have a bag full of meat, but what I really would have liked would have been one of those hard hats with, like, a candle on the front. (laughs) Like a hooded lantern (laughs) to direct it in in a certain direction? Right, yes, yes. Well, and also, don't forget that um, way back, uh, you know, three or four or five episodes ago, Gerard was selling a magic rope. That would have been nice. That nobody wanted to buy. Pooh! It's almost like you were offering us tools that we just ignored. Mm, I don't know. Anyway, um, you guys are traveling now. You guys pick yourself up, dust yourself off. And then as you continue walking through this cave, um, you get to this point where the wall in front of you just opens up and it is dark. Now, those of you with with dark vision, you guys can see 60 feet. Um, Even with your dark vision, you can't see the other side of this chamber. But what you can see is that right in front of you where this chamber opens up, the floor is no more and you can see that hammered into the um the floor in front of you is a rope ladder that hangs over the side speaking of uh floor no more um i really like that song epic that was a really bad joke that was, that was that was a faith no more joke yes i got uh, it it okay. took me a second but yes oh. um yes you want it all, but you can't have it. What is it? <laughs> <laughs> all right. Yay, 90s. Okay. Um, yes, yeah, so there is a rope ladder in front of you. So you have reached the chasm. From the sound of it, it is a lot of climbing down. So is there any preparations you guys want to make before you go down? Or are you just going to start climbing down the ladder? And if you are, what order are you going in? I'll go first. Should we tie ourselves together or something so we can we can stop someone from falling if they were to lose their grip? I suppose that's not a terrible idea. 
Sounds wise. And then I, I would probably put the strongest as the anchor, so, Nari, if you went last, that way, if one of us starts to fall, you could be the, the strongest supporting pitten. That makes, that, that makes sense. I wonder if that means that I should go first, being both weak and very heavy. Hmm. <laughs> That's true. Well, I'm also pretty weak, too. Let's have a week. Let's have a week off. Long wrestling, Abby. Abby <laughs> <laughs> could always turn into like a giant wolf spider and just climb down the wall with, with spider climb. No, I you was... cannot. Not in my <laughs> sacred valley. We don't need rope of climbing. We've got spider butt rope. <laughs> Quickly, everybody, grab onto my butt rope. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, what's the order going down? How are you guys going to do this? Um, Abby's willing to go first. Okay. I'll follow Ebby. Okay. Joff will go third. Uh, put Colbury in the middle. Oh, uh, Colbury can go before Joff, and then I'll go. Yeah. Okay. Let me... I don't want him doing anything sneaky while I'm trying to hold the rope and you're you're climbing down. Okay. So we've got Ebby at the bottom, and then we got Pine, and then we've got uh, Colbury, and then we have Joff, and then we have Nari. Perfect. All right. Ebby, you start to descend this rope ladder and it is secured to the top, which makes it more secure than like if it was just free floating, uh, you know, just like uh, um, it's it's tapped into the wall in several places with with uh, pitons or pythons or how do you say that word? I, I think and it's, it's pittens. Pittons? It's pittons. Okay. Yeah, it's tapped in with pittons. So this first section is actually relatively easy to climb down. I'm not going to have you make any checks for this section. Um, Ebby, as you start to climb down, how far, how long are the sections between each of you? How long, how much rope are you guys tying in between each person? I'm guessing like 10 feet. Yeah. Ish. Any any less than 10 feet, we'd be stepping on each other. Yeah. Okay. All right. There's like 10 feet of rope. So as you start climbing down, Ebby, um, then um, Pine starts coming down and you can see he's just basically right uh, on top of you. Colbury then starts to make the descent, Joff, and then followed by Nari. You are all on this same ladder before Ebby, his feet find solid ground. And it's not really solid. Um, as you step down at the bottom of this ladder, Ebby, you are standing on basically like two planks that have been um, like a, a, a some kind of a long pitten has been pounded into the wall and then another one uh, a little ways further on there's this walkway that goes along the edge of this chasm and it is made up of these two planks side by side and then it stops and then another two planks start off it's this little bridge this little like um, this little walkway that goes around kind of the side of this chasm a little ways before you see it drops off into another rope ladder. As you are uh, walking along this walkway, I need, everybody now has gotten off of the ladder. This walkway is probably about 60 feet long before you get to the next uh, rope ladder. Um, as you're walking along this walkway, I need everyone to make another dexterity save, difficulty 13. So I think because of the rope, it the only people who get my bonus three would be Ebby and uh, Colbury. Okay, Nari got a 14. Oof. What's the DC again? 13. Okay, Pine got a 13. <laughs> oh, gosh. Ebby rolled a nine again. Ebby and Colbury both failed. So, um, 
as you are walking along this uh, this platform, suddenly the uh, ground starts to shake again. This cavern is shaking uh, wildly, and standing on this narrow uh, these narrow planks, this narrow platform, um, Ebby, you feel your feet slip out from underneath you as you go over the edge, and Colbury goes over the edge as well, which then leaves Joff and Pine to keep them uh, from pulling everybody off so what i'm gonna need <laughs> wait wait so are we is there is there a wall to one side like did one fall off one way and one fell off the other so they kind of balance each other not quite oh. uh, there's this yeah there's only one way off basically you guys are walking along this uh to the left is a solid stone wall and to the right is nothing is abyss all right so um ebby falls off and colbury falls off um pine can you make a strength check? Difficulty, difficulty 12. Okay. That's a four. Okay. Pine, you feel yourself start to slip off the platform as Ebby and Colbry are dragging you down. <sighs> oh, no. Joff and Nari, is there anything you guys want to do before Pine gets pulled off this platform as well? Joff is going to mutter under his breath. Let me see if I've got a toucher first. Hold on a sec to do this. Um, Joff is going to mutter under his breath real quick, like tap, um, like take a, a few steps towards Nari, tap her on the shoulder and say, we're going to need all the help we can get. Squire, have you got us? And um, cast Bayard's blessing on her so she can add a D4 to her next ability check. Okay. Yeah, and uh, Nari is going to, you know, obviously try to catch Pine uh, and Colbury. But... Yeah, well, well Colbury's already off, too. That's why Pine is getting, getting pulled. He's getting pulled from two different people, Ebby on one side and Colbury on the other. So I need Nari to make a... Why don't you go ahead and make an uh, um, uh, athletics check? Oh, hell yeah. Uh, 15 plus a D4 is 17. All right, you grab Pine as his boots start to slip on this wood and you're able to stop his uh, descent, uh, his his slipping. And as you, uh, you stop him, you start to pull on the rope and very easily you get Colbury back up. Ebby is still hanging. So what I need is either Ebby can attempt to climb up the rope with an athletics check or... You guys can attempt to bring to pull Ebby up. If somebody wants to make that check with advantage, um, we can do it that way. I can try the athletics thing if we want. And try to climb up the rope. Sure. Uh, 19. Oh, gosh. You are hanging there for a second like, wow, there's nothing beneath me. And then you kind of uh, realize oh, I should probably not have my 300 pounds just hanging, trying to pull everybody off this platform. So you manage to pull yourself up with a 19 athletics. That's great. And you get yourself back up onto this platform. And now you all five are quote unquote safe on this little walkway. This place sucks. That's a close <laughs> call guys. Uh, watch your, watch your step real quick. Who has feather fall in your party? Colbury question mark. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> not, not in the repertoire for me. Joff used to. It was in that pouch he turned in. Yes, yes. Back when uh, Joff was a was an arcane trickster. Yes. Okay. Let's see here. As you uh, then continue on your trek, you get to the rope ladder and you climb down again. Um, and 
This one goes down even further than the last one. Um, you have descended now easily 200, 300 feet. Um, after a while, you get to another platform, uh, another kind of walkway that actually heads back the way you came. So it's like you're almost like directly below where you were up above on the other platform. And then uh, there are actually uh, pittens that have been hammered into the side of this wall that step down like steps, but they are just rods in the uh, pounded into the wall. Um, so you are going to now head down these stairs, these, you know, these pitten, these thin rod, um, staircase. Yeah. It sounds terrifying. It sounds awful. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Your people aren't much for, for workplace safety, are they? Hi, I'm not sure this was, uh, built by my, actually, that's a great question. Can we kind of see how old this part of it is? It actually looks fairly new. Okay. Fairly new. Um, yeah. Um, and then as you guys are looking around, you see all of the, uh, like the uh, places to rope off the, the carabiners that are stuck into the wall up above your heads. No, I'm kidding. Those don't exist. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Um, so you guys, uh, this is actually, I mean, it, as it, as it is terrifying, um, this is actually a fairly easy section of the, um, of the pathway down into this chasm. So we are going to now make, um, a uh let's see either athletics or acrobatics checks just difficulty 10 as you attempt to get down this staircase uh nari got an 11 <sighs> ebby just got a 10 joff got a 13 pine got an 18 and colbury got a one Literally, he's like, okay, yeah, we got this as Ebby and Pine start going down this staircase and he takes his first step, his foot slips right off, but everybody else made their saves plenty. So he is kind of caught by Joff and Pine, lifted back up and you continue to descend this terrifying staircase down, down, down. Pine whispers to Ebby and he's like, uh, this Colbert's really dead weight, isn't he? <laughs> Stop flutzing around back there, Colbury. Come on. Uh, he looks a little sheepish, actually. Um, and uh, anyone who can see his face, you see sweat pouring down his face. But you see a determined look and a, and a set to his jaw. Uh, he is bound and determined to get down into the quote-unquote fortress that's down here. As, as we're walking, Pine's going to try to... Um, talk with Colbury, maybe distract him a little bit so that he's not so focused on each individual step and he can um, perform better, you know? Okay. Um, so while while he, they're walking, um, Pine will say, I couldn't help but notice that you're very into paper, the written word and research. Are you by any chance a follower of Cadriel? I, most definitely, I respect Cadriel. Of all the lords and ladies, I would say that they are my my prime focus in worship. Hmm. Do you visit the libraries often? I've heard that there's more than one in Arkelvy. He kind of stops for a second and he says, yes, I have visited the libraries in Arkelvy. Hmm. Hmm. No, you're not supposed to stop. I'm supposed to be distracting you so that you just, you keep going and you're not overthinking your next step. Okay, as you, he's like, yes, okay. So he keeps walking <laughs> and he's like, have you visited the multiple libraries in Kadri in uh, Arkovi? We weren't there long enough to, to to visit more than one, but 
we definitely had an interesting excursion at the, the main library of Cadriel, and, you know, we helped out a little bit, shelving books for a little bit. It was nice. It was like three episodes of library. <laughs> it was fantastic. It was great. Uh, <laughs> I loved it. Who knew the Dewey Decimal System could be so exciting? All right. Um, he nods his head. He's like, yeah. so, yes, you, uh, yes, it, very interesting. And he continues to talk about the Library of Cadriel as you guys are, are walking down. Is there any specific questions you wanted to ask him about his research down there as you guys are walking? Does anybody have any questions for him? Because I, I, I can, I'll just be like, um, yeah, I actually, I found an interesting book by um, a sister librarian, Jem, all about the cult of inevitability. He nods. He says, "Yes, I've I've read that. There's a lot of um, a lot of good information in there. It's a a little bit of a um, hypothesis at the end that I don't know that I can get behind, but um, but it is it is a very well researched book. Yes, mm. and and yeah, he he apparently has read that book. Okay, so we'll just we'll talk books unless anybody else has questions for him. Yeah, you continue." down this treacherous path and you get to um off of this staircase which seems like it takes hours it's probably not hours but it seemed like it because every step you can feel you know just one solitary rod under your foot you can feel like your foot can slip forward or backwards um by the time you get to the next platform you are all sweating and you are all drained um this next platform is a little bit bigger it's like um 10 feet by 10 feet um it looks like they actually were able to kind of rest this platform on partially on like a rocky outcropping um that's naturally coming out of the wall and then it's on some longer pittens so it's this larger little platform if you guys wanted to take a rest here you could um to catch your breath because then there is more uh more descent i think with how far we've been coming down just thinking about doing this in real life, we'll need to take like a, at least a 10 minute break. Oh, oh yeah. Yeah, that's for sure. Okay. All right. Yeah, you guys all kind of uh, uh, sit down, um, rest, uh, catch your breath. As you are sitting there, you realize that the temperature is is warmer down here. Um, not necessarily comfortable enough to take off all your furs and things, but it's definitely warmer than it was up above. Um, and you have noticed that as you've been descending, um, it has gradually gotten warmer. At first, you weren't sure if it was just because you were getting hot from climbing ladders and and all the treacherous uh, treacherous footing, but it's warmer. If you guys want to make a nature check, I'll let you do that. Hey, Abby, I've noticed that it's getting warmer. <laughs> do you think? Do you think I can help you figure out what's going on? <laughs> you want to give him the, the health action? That's fine. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. What's funny about Ebby is because nature is an intelligence score thing. <laughs> he has not a great intelligence <laughs> or a great yeah, nature right. score. So, but we'll go ahead and go for it. It's probably better than my zero. <laughs> uh, and with advantage, right? Yeah, yeah. With advantage. Sweet. Uh, 17. All right. Yeah. As you are talking with Pine about it, um, Ebby, you realize that this cave is, you know, there's kind of this natural year-round temperature in most caves like once you descend down um far enough into the earth the temperature stays relatively um even um year-round um this cave is definitely warmer at this point than any of the other caves that you have been in interesting i'll of course relay that 
Do you suppose it'll keep getting warmer? I'm tempted to leave some of my winter clothes here for the trip back up so that I'm not sweltering down in the cave. Well, I'm still in my sleeveless sweater vest. (laughs) (laughs) Looking smashing. You know, I always thought you would come around to this style. Are you leaving some of your gear there here then? Your cold weather stuff? I think I'll leave my cold weather stuff and just go on in my, in my normal stuff. You gotta sweat it out, man. It's the only way. <laughs> well, see, when you reach a certain age, your body odor, no matter how clean you are, but as soon as you sweat, it starts to smell awful. You've smelled <laughs> old people before, right? I don't want my clothes to smell like that yet. Oh, gosh. We're going to get letters from old people who listen. (laughs) (laughs) I don't smell bad. All right. Um, You finished your rest. Did anybody want to burn any hit dice or anything? Does anybody have any skills that they've used that they need to get back after a short rest? I think I'm going to hold off. I'm I'm hurt a little from the rock thing, but not enough for me to want to burn a dice yet. I'll burn a hit die uh, just to heal up a little bit. Okay. Did Pine just get back all the hit points he lost? Hell yeah, he did. <laughs> That's awesome. All right, very good. Okay, you uh, finish up this rest and you continue. From this platform, it is another ladder that goes down. And as you look down with the light spell, you can see that these ladders now, it looks like it goes down about 10 feet and then it, another little platform and then 10 feet down again. And so now it's a sequence of ladders and platforms that just kind of go straight down into this abyss. Um, relatively easy going but long it's long you are doing this next section for easily an hour and a half of just traveling down 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 and as you continue to travel down pine without your warm clothes on you actually at the end of this hour and a half you feel you know this temperature is quite comfortable 65 degrees it's like arizona in the winter (laughs) there you go there you go all right as you um as you come down this last ladder um this last ladder that you're climbing down is longer than the others and as you continue to descend the light starts to illuminate and you realize that the wall that you're next to you can see and um after a while of climbing down you can see the walls now to the left and the right and then as you look behind you you can see the wall behind you and it seems like this chasm is coming down to a point like this it comes down to this deepest portion of the chasm that you are climbing down and the ladder goes down 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 until there's just a hole probably about three feet diameter that you that the ladder goes down through. So it's like a funnel, like the chasm is like funneling down to this one point? Exactly. Okay. So as you climb down, Ebby, you're the first one through, you climb down this ladder through this hole, this funnel, and on the other side of the hole with your dark vision, you can see a stone floor. You can see what looks like some kind of metalwork, some kind of a like a cage contraption thing. You can see pillars. You can see that you are in a square room with a hallway to the east and there's a hallway to the south as you drop into this room. Well, I think we're here, wherever here is. 
One of us better learn to fly or at least walk up, teach us to walk up walls before we gotta come back through here. That was a nightmare coming down. I can't imagine it going back up. Uh, I'll get there. Give me a couple levels. Don't put ideas into Ebby's head. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, I think Nari will use her light spell um, and just kind of put it on, you know, some piece of her armor or something so she can see around her. Gotcha. Until we have coverage, Pine will also have his candle out. Okay. As you descend down this ladder, you arrive in this square room. It looks like it's fairly big. It's probably about, I don't know, 35 or 40 feet um, on any side. In the center, you see four pillars holding up the roof. You can see what looks like on the wall behind you, some like shuttered windows. And in the center of the room, there's this strange contraption, this strange cage. Uh, it looks like um, large enough for you know people or um, large animals to be in. And you have now made it down here into the fortress beneath Summerhome. And that's where we're going to stop for tonight. All right. Well, nobody died. I'm exhausted, seriously, just thinking about <laughs> oh, man. coming down all these ladders and stuff. Seriously, oh. like somebody needs to learn fly at a very high level <laughs> or at least like levitate, just take turns, le- you know, shooting us up this chasm. Give oh, me man. Uh, a few more levels of my cleric and I'll be able to hover in the dark. Oh, gosh. I was going to say, I guess we're going to spend some time down here killing some enemies, huh? Well, <laughs> yeah. you know, the funny the funny thing is is that out of all the descriptions like the uh the staircase, the Pitten staircase, like that was the one that, you know, I was like, oh that's going to be the easiest one, but that was the one that made me the most uncomfortable to describe. Oh man, I did not like that. Having done a ropes course and walked down a ladder like that even with a harness on, terrifying. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh yeah. All right. Well, we'll have to wait to see what is going on down here, but it won't be next time. Next time, We have a special treat for you. So until we see you again, have a great time.